Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Well, hello, listener. Welcome to another episode here at Voice of the Church. We're continuing on in our series in the book of Ecclesiastes as we want to answer the question, what is the meaning of life? And here in our third meditation, we're looking at the preacher's search for satisfaction in pleasure. And for that, we'll begin reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And here we read these words. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. But surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine, while guiding my heart with wisdom, and how to lay hold of folly, till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. And so I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. In verse 11 we read, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done, and on all the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity, and a grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Well, again, dear listener, we live in a world that tells us the most important thing in life is our own personal happiness. If your marriage is stale, or your job is boring, or your body doesn't quite look the way you want it to, then do what it takes to make you happy. Find another partner, get another job, or alter your body by whatever means necessary to make you happy. Well, here we see how the preacher did everything in life to make himself happy. He lived the celebrity life on earth. He ate the best food. He had the most money. He enjoyed the most sex and satisfied his every bodily craving. But in the end, he echoed those words from the famous Rolling Stone song, I can't get no satisfaction. Last time, we considered the vanity of trying to find wisdom apart from God. And now in chapter 2, the preacher teaches us about the vanity of trying to find satisfaction in pleasure and in material possessions. Here in chapter 2, the preacher leaves the university classroom and he heads out to downtown Toronto to find the best place to eat and drink and enjoy some dancing. He says in chapter 2, verse 1, I will test you with pleasure. Maybe satisfaction will be found in long nights on the town, just having fun. And no doubt there is joy in this for a season. But the preacher says it was madness in the end. And he says of pleasure, what use is it? 
wine and food and laughter are all good gifts of God, but when they're used in the wrong way, we are left feeling empty. Later in verse 8, he requires many slaves and concubines to please his every impulse. Next to God, sexual intimacy is one of the greatest pleasures a human can experience under the sun. We may not have hundreds of concubines in our house, but there are thousands of images and videos on the internet that we too could use to gratify our flesh. But the preacher says in verse 7, this is vanity, it's a grasping after the wind. But after living the high life, the preacher puts on his work gloves and he tries something different. He takes on some building projects in verse 4. He learns discipline, builds wealth, and becomes the kind of successful man that you would want to speak at your company dinner. The preacher has incredible resources, so much so that he's able to create his own kind of Garden of Eden here on earth. He says in verse 4, he built houses and gardens and parks and he planted trees and made pools. It sounds like a very good life, doesn't it? Sometimes we think that satisfaction will be found in the next house we buy, or in the next season of life when the kids grow up, or maybe when we are retired, things will get better. Well, the preacher here fully embodied what some call the American dream. He had the dream house, he had the vacation home, he had the private jet that could get him from point A to point B, and he had all the best toys. But inwardly, he was still longing for more. Again, in verse 11, he looks out on his personal paradise, and he says these words, All is vanity, and there is no profit under the sun. Amazingly, he has everything you could ever want here on earth, but it's not enough. Years ago, NFL quarterback Tom Brady was interviewed on 60 Minutes about his success. And this was when Tom Brady just had three Super Bowl rings. He now has seven. But he was asked if he was satisfied with his career. And Tom Brady said this, Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think that there's something greater out there for me? There's got to be more than this. And when the interviewer asked, What's the answer? Brady could only respond, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. You see, material blessings and great achievements are not bad in themselves. But when they are what we live for, that sense of deep satisfaction will always escape us. What's the problem with this pursuit of pleasure? Again, verse 18 and verse 19 remind us that the great problem is death. When it comes to having great possessions, we can't take them with us at death. Moreover, the preacher tells us that we can be workaholics our whole life and we could build houses and businesses, but these might end up in the hands of a fool who can mess it all up in verse 23. See, the preacher reminds us that in light of death, even good things like knowledge, work, and material blessings cannot bring lasting joy. But dear listener, here is the truth. They were never meant to. There is, as it's often said, a God-shaped hole in all of us that only he can fill. And this is what the preacher tells us at the end of this quest. He reminds us of the place of true satisfaction. And that is found only in Jesus Christ. The Christian message is this, although Jesus is the Son of God, equal in glory with the Father and the Holy Spirit, 
He stooped down so low to give us the riches of God's salvation. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. In other words, abundant life is not something that we earn, but something we receive from the hands of Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 verse 18 that we are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share so that we might take hold of that which is truly life. If we want a meaningful life on this earth, the Word of God tells us we must give our lives away to Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 16 verse 25, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And this is the great paradox of life. The more we try to strive after meaning in this life by our own efforts, the more it will escape us. But if we give our lives away to Christ, we will find it. If we say to God, Lord, here is all of my wisdom, my wealth, my gifts, my resources, my time, use it all for your glory, then we will find out what it means to truly live. And that's what we see here in Ecclesiastes at the end of the preacher's journey. He says in chapter 2, verse 24 through 26, that it is God who gives us the good gifts of life. Again, at the end of his journey, God's name reappears. And three times we are told that God gives wisdom knowledge, and joy. Those who please God in this text are those who acknowledge that he is the sovereign giver of every good thing. And those who are called sinners in this text are those who are forever stuck in the rat race because their eyes are only focused on life under the sun. We learn here that happiness is not found by our striving, but by receiving life as a gift of God. And so may we consider our own quest for satisfaction today and remember this important message that if we burden the things of this life with demands to fulfill us in a certain way, we will always be disappointed. But if we look beyond the horizon of this world to Christ, who alone can satisfy our hearts, then we can receive the good things of life as gifts from God's fatherly hand. And so may we give our lives over to Jesus every day so that we might learn what it means to truly live. We thank you again, listener, for joining us here at Voice of the Church. Join us next time for our final meditation in Ecclesiastes as we think about how God is sovereign over the seasons of our lives. Until then, may God bless you and keep you.